Welcome to the Ask Andrew podcast. Real questions from real condo investors. You ask, I answer. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening to the Ask Andrew podcast. Once again, this is Andrew LaFleur, real estate agent here in Toronto and founder of truecondos.com. And again, we are answering your questions. So in this episode, we're talking to Brett. Brett is a first-time investor. He is living in British Columbia, but he's interested in investing in the Toronto condo market. Interestingly, more and more people from British Columbia in particular and Vancouver area in particular are getting interested, I'm finding, in investing in the Toronto condo market. Probably a big function of that is, yes, they see the growth. They see that Toronto is a stable city, a great place to invest in general, but also that the prices in Vancouver for so many people who um, live in Vancouver have gotten out of reach and it's just impossible for many people to invest in their own backyard. As well, the cash flow situation, um, when you compare Toronto with Vancouver, cash flow and, and return on your investment from that perspective is much better, generally speaking, in Toronto than it is in Vancouver. We've got uh, a better price to rent ratio. So uh, some of the things that Brett asked about were contracts and how they work, renting out your condo during occupancy, closing costs, understanding um, what kind of closing costs to expect. Talked about some of the risks of investing in pre-construction. We also touched on the question of a parking spot, whether you should buy a parking spot or not. So I look forward to sharing this episode with you right now. And again, if you'd like to be a guest on the Ask Andrew podcast, if you'd like to have your questions answered, just go to askandrewpodcast.com and click on ask me a question so without further ado here is my interview with brett sort of the biggest question in your mind about getting into condo investing yeah one of them would be well it seems with the pre-builds there's this 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 rush of the good ones just selling out immediately and so trying i'm discussing trying to figure out how and when do certain details get figured out um, so by certain details, I guess, I mean, like I read these things that intimidate people to get into it, like, well, there's all these extra closing costs that will surprise you. Or what if the market crashes? Does the development have, um, like, can you get financing on the, on the prices that you paid regardless of the valuation when it's actually done? And what about the right, the right to lease during the occupancy phase? And like all those kind of things. Who figures that out and when do you get that figured out, especially when you're in a short window? Yeah. Uh, well, I can hopefully help you figure out. Those are pretty easy ones. Yeah, I can help, can help you figure, figure out those right now. So what was, they'll just go one at a time. What was the, what was the first question? Um, okay. So one, does the, like, so one question is, does the developer have a, have blanket approval for the development, ensuring that financing can happen? on the prices regardless of valuation at completion so that was something that i've read online where it's like well you need to figure out that that's in that's in place yeah so i mean i would say inherently when you're buying pre-construction when you're buying something that is a piece of paper you're buying a contract that you are hoping is going to you're assuming and hoping that's going to turn into an actual piece of real estate that you actually own i mean it's inherently risky so there are inherent risks buying pre-construction you're buying something that doesn't exist yet um, one of those potential risks 
is sort of what you're alluding to, the fact that it might not get built. It might not get built for a number of reasons. Or um, it, maybe it does get built, but uh, uh, there could be some kind of a market crash where the value of the property uh, by the time it's built is less than the value that you paid for it originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you may run into financing challenges because of that. Um, so yeah, th- th- those are, I would say, realities of buying pre-construction. But uh, I would just say that, you know, if, if you understand that and if, you, if you're if you smart and if you invest wisely, like those, the chances of those things actually affecting you uh, are extremely low. Um, okay. And, you know, if you look at the track record of people who have been doing this for, you know, the last 20 years, um, you know, those sorts of scenarios, while they have happened, it's like, you know, it's extremely rare that those, sorts of scenarios can sure. happen, especially when you're buying, you know, in a good market, uh, like downtown Toronto, and you're buying from a good builder, and there's, you know, there's many good builders out there. Right. So that's a, that's a risk, but it's not, like I hear you saying, it's not necessarily certain steps that you, that you can. Yeah, in terms of, yeah, from your side, like other things you're supposed to be doing in, in your due diligence to make sure these things don't happen. Not really, again, other than just... Yeah. Working with good people, working with you know a good agent who knows the market, who knows the builders, who knows the areas. Especially for you, you're you're out of town. You're in uh, you're in BC, I think, right? Yeah, in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, you're in Vancouver, so you're investing from Vancouver and Toronto, which, by the way, more and more people are doing. I'm getting more and more calls from people in Vancouver, uh, which is interesting. But um, yeah, I mean. Uh, if you're if you're working with with good people and and you know people who have a track record, uh, you know that's that's about all you can do really. Um, sure, uh-huh. sure. You want to? I mean, you don't want to overpay for stuff. Uh, you know, you don't want to get ripped off. You don't want to buy something for a million dollars pre-construction that is really only worth you know six hundred thousand um, or whatever. But yeah. uh, again, we're not going to let that happen to you, <laughs> right? And then I guess the other thing would just be the the right to lease during occupancy. Yeah. I was reading I was reading in one magazine that like some builders don't offer that, and you maybe need to be aware of that and negotiate for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So leasing during occupancy it's a, it's a common question that we get. Um, you're getting into the details of the contract. So every builder is different how they handle that, but the majority of builders I would say it's basically a, a blind eye policy. They turn a blind eye essentially. So pretty much every contract, I would say 80 to 90% of, of pre-construction condo contracts in Toronto will say you're not allowed to rent it out during occupancy. Okay. But the reality is everyone rents it out during occupancy. Um, so uh, most builders just turn a blind eye and, they're, and they just don't enforce that. Um, or they will just give you an amendment to the contract that says, yeah, you can lease it out during occupancy. Right. There's there there's only, you know, in, in my 10 years of doing this, I think I've only seen one or two buildings where the builder actually firmly put their foot down and, and said, no one can can rent their units during occupancy. So that, am, that amendment, is that something then, is that something that would, 
so you, why are you saying is you wouldn't necessarily push, you wouldn't be pushing for that. You'd kind of, the general way is that you kind of just assume it's uh, going to happen. It depends on the builder. It depends on the builder. Okay. Some builders will give it to you up front as sort of like an incentive. It's kind of a meaningless incentive, like I said, because everybody rents it out during occupancy anyways, with right. or without that amendment. Um, but, you know, so it's peace of mind and comfort. It's nice to have it in writing, of course, that so you can do it. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it depends on the builder. So some builders, like I, you know, I know, okay, I know this builder uh, will give you an amendment if you ask for it. Or I know this builder won't give you an amendment, but they don't care if you do it. Um, you know, so it's case by case. Okay. And then, so th- and then capping closing costs was another, was another question. So these kind of details, like I say, you, maybe you get the price list that goes that goes out, and then a week later, sales are going to occur and maybe it's going to sell out in a day. So then it kind of gives that week, that week window to go, okay, which, which condo, what's the, the price point that I'm going to go at. And then these kind of details all need to get worked out. So from, well, yes and no. that you, I mean, uh, yeah, the best projects are going to sell quickly. Um, uh-huh. And the launches are a frenzy of activity where, you know, the savvy investors are, are all trying to secure their units um, before prices are increased or before the next round or, you know, just as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, under the whatever, however, the builders handling the actual sales, there's different ways they do it. But um, so you're, you're always going to have a 10-day cooling off period regardless after you sign the contract. Right. So those kind of details can sometimes be worked out during the 10 days in terms of, you know, making sure your closing costs are capped, making sure you have, you know, if you, you, you would look at the leasing during occupancy question, if they'll do an amendment or not, um, making sure you have an assignment clause in your contract, the ability to sell the unit before it's complete. So those contract details, um, and, you know, and having your lawyer, just generally having a lawyer, your yeah. own real estate lawyer, review the contract for you and with you and, and, advise you on what it what is in the contract that's what the 10 days are for okay right so the so you don't yeah so you don't you don't have to necessarily have answers to all those questions and in most before. cases you won't, you won't have answers before you sign the contract but that's what the okay. 10 days are for right that makes sense so you mentioned the four properties on your recent podcast mm-hmm. and so just wondering about Dew east and kingley in particular um I've also heard you talk about like yeah, there's certain connections that you have or platinum access and these types of things. So I saw yeah. online Due East has their insider club. So it's like if you want to get if you want to make sure you get in, right. then there's a three hundred dollar kind of little yeah. deposit you give, you can join that club. So just wanted to get an understanding of how say Due East in particular, like if we were serious about Due East, do we need to join that insider club? What can like? What, or do you have a certain connection there, or how do? Yeah. So for all the projects, there? all those projects that I mentioned, those four projects, um, I am a platinum agent, so I have the highest level of access to these projects. So okay. you really don't have. To, that's really all you need to know. You don't have to do anything else. Specifically okay. related to Daniels, you're right. They have a, a, an insider or inner circle club. They call it. Um, it's primarily for end users, people who are moving into suites themselves. Um, People, for whatever reason, they don't want to work with a real estate agent or they don't have a real estate agent. Um, 
that's what that is for. Uh, okay. But in terms of in terms of you as an investor and having access to the building and being able to secure a suite, you're obviously, in my opinion, but you're much better off uh, working with a platinum agent than you are in that uh, other stream, which again is more for the end user crowd uh, who okay. are moving into the suites. Um, so the the big advantage you have with um, working with me as a platinum agent instead of that is you're able to actually, re- you know, pick your suite and reserve your suite in advance of the actual sales event, sales day. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just coming in, uh, at least till now, I mean, it could change, but the, the way that, way that they, Daniels has done it is those people just have to come in and show up for an appointment uh, on the day and they just see what's available. Um, and if what they wanted is not available, they can't buy it. So it's right. just depending on what time they get their appointment versus working with me as a platinum agent, um, we can actually reserve a suite ahead of time. You know exactly what suite you're getting and what the price is uh, before the actual sales day. Yeah, that's helpful. Great. Thanks for that. I uh, the, a quick question would be just about your input on purchasing a parking spot. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're going maybe for a one bedroom, uh, that, that has, the parking spot is quite a big price. Can put, like mm-hmm. it could be whatever it could be twenty percent of the price of the condo you're paying almost. So I mean, depending on where is that for park, parking spot and, and locker. So um, well, I don't yeah. think it would be that much, but yeah, it could be, it might be ten percent, say, depending on the price of the unit, the price of the parking. Um, parking with parking, it really depends. It depends on uh, what building, the location of the building, the number of parking spots in the building compared to the number of suites in the building. There's so many factors that go into whether I recommend you to buy a parking spot or not from an investment perspective. So it's hard to, it's not like a blanket rule statement that I can say yes or no. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, if you're buying something above like 500,000, 600,000, then most cases you, you probably should get a parking spot. Uh, if you're buying stuff under that, in most cases you probably will not bother getting a parking spot, but again, it really depends case by case. Like what, sure. what, uh, what is your sort of approximate budget as you're looking at making an investment now? Yeah, like three, 350 to four. Yeah, 350 Which, to four, then yeah, you're not going to be getting a parking. You're not even going to qualify to purchase parking. Anyways, it's not even going to be an option. So in, in any building, like they have limited parking spots. So they are usually only available with the two-bedroom suites or larger. And gotcha. if you're talking about anything downtown Toronto, even in the suburbs, uh, under four hundred thousand, um, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be two-bedroom. Most likely, it's not going to be qualifying for parking. Okay. So if you just came and say a one-bedroom or one in a den, then typically you're not going to be getting a parking spot. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then finally, just the strategy of of buying, like securing a contract and then selling prior to closing versus waiting to rent it out. Uh, and I guess particularly thinking about, say, Due East that has a ten, it's only a ten percent deposit. Mm-hmm. So then, and then does the amount of the deposit potentially impact the strategy? Like, is it 
Is there... Yeah, I mean, uh, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of assignments. Generally speaking, my investment philosophy and what I teach people is to be long-term and to be a long-term investor and to build a portfolio over time. And basically, my philosophy is never sell. Like, just keep building and building and building and never sell unless either you have to or you have something something better to put the money into. Um, but if you have good properties and they're all rented out and they're all paying for themselves, they all have positive cash flow, they're in good buildings, uh, they're appreciating in value, if you have good tenants, you know, that's the goal for every property is all those yeah. things. If you have that, then, you know, never sell. That's how you're going to truly build wealth is by holding onto properties for the long term as opposed to flipping them you know, every couple of years kind of thing. Um, with that being said, yeah, you're, if you have a lower deposit, then it makes it more favorable to think about doing an assignment and selling it before it's complete. Um, you know, it's just easier to do. It's easier to make a profit when you have less into it. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, there's other many other reasons why assignments I'm not a big fan of. Uh, one reason is developers really discourage them and developers don't like assignments. Generally speaking, they, they, um, make it a little bit difficult for you to do assignments. Um, and the other thing is the government. The government definitely, CRA definitely does not like assignments. Mm. And I can, I can for sure foresee a day in, in the not too distant future where, um, they'll either be severely restricted taxed or just outright banned, um, perhaps, uh, by the CRA. Um, so counting on them as a primary strategy, I would say never, never think about it as a primary strategy. Think about it as a backup. Like if, you know, plan to hold the property is what I always tell people and, and rent it out. But if your circumstances change, if things change in your life or you just, you need the money for whatever reason, emergency situation, whatever it might be. Um, you know, think about assignment as like a plan B. Right now, you want to make sure you have the ability to assign just in case, but don't make that your primary strategy. Yeah, and and what and wouldn't be the primary strategy. But just was curious as to what you would say about that, particularly with yeah, if a ten percent deposit, then almost going okay. If you could, well, if you got two, and. uh and then you're basically three years down the road evaluating where the finances are and maybe going, okay, do we want to keep two or sell off? If the market actually jumped, right. could we sell off the second one assignment right. and, and then take that, take that profit and, and roll on? More. Yeah. 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 Or roll it back into the other one. Yeah. And that's, that's a strategy that some people have employed with pretty good success. Um, but again, I mean, if, if you're buying the right properties in the right locations, my argument is like you're, you don't have any reason to sell them, especially not when, you know, that's, in a way it's almost the worst time to sell it is right before it's done because that's right when you're about, it's about to realize its value and its potential. And, you know, when you sell an assignment, by the way, like you, you've got to sell it below the actual market value, below the actual potential because it's an assignment and because they're much more complicated, there's fewer buyers out there, they're harder to market, 
So assignments that sell, they always, by definition, are selling below market value mm. compared, to, right. compared to if they were resale. So, um, you know, I always recommend you at least hold hold the property for at least one year after it's done. Rent it out for at least a year and then decide and then evaluate. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, yeah. Um, what... So basically, say the specifics of the these properties. I guess in October the price lists will co- are coming out, mm-hmm. and then so, then what would be the what would be the next what would be the step from there? So looking over that, making the decision, and giving you a call. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's basically it. Yeah, is you're going to get the information from me. Um, Due East in particular is coming October the fourth. The info. Uh, and the actual sales event is on October the 14th. Okay. So as of October the 4th, you'll be able to review everything and submit what's called a worksheet, which is like a sweet reservation form, request form kind of thing with your information and your driver's license and so on. Um, and that will sort of begin the process there to try to reserve you a specific suite. And then... Um, if we're successful and we're, able, and, we're, and we're able to get you a suite that you're interested in, um, then the actual contract signing would be on October the 14th. Um, assuming that you're not in Toronto, then uh, you should start thinking about um, a plan for that. And, and probably the, the best plan is to basically give me POA, give me power of attorney, sign uh, the contract on your behalf. And you can just courier checks over here before the 14th, so I have them ready to hand in, kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So basically, as soon as a price list goes out, then it's it's open through you to begin to yeah begin to look at look at places. Yeah, it's not going to be a first come first serve sort of scenario. It's going to be here's the price list, here's the floor plan. A few days will pass where they will accept these worksheets and they'll collect the worksheets. And then after a few days, they'll shut it off and then they will allocate the suites uh, based on the worksheets and try their best to match people up with their choices. That being said, it's a supply and demand situation. So if they have a thousand worksheets and 300 units, then not everyone's going to get a unit. Yeah. So makes the, sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. See how that uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see what the demand is, is like. I expect the demand is going to be very very high for all these projects. Really, that I mentioned the four projects. Right. Okay. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to walk that through. That's helpful. No problem. Yeah. Hopefully that was yeah. useful and. Um, Great to uh, connect on the phone, and, and yeah, we'll be in touch in the days ahead. So definitely watch for more emails from you in the days ahead with more information. Um, I've got videos and podcasts and stuff that I've been working on that uh, that you'll be getting in the next few days. Perfect. Okay, thanks a lot, Andrew. Okay. Helpful. Great. Thanks. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Ask Andrew Podcast. To get your question answered, just go to askandrewpodcast.com and click Ask a Question.